Alrighty, that's good. Turn over to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11. As we were out in our journeys today, seeking far and wide, high and low, far and near. What else is there? Up and down, in and out, town after town. And uh, came into some things today. Don't know what the Lord has in store, but we did come into some things. There was a man that, that we talked to, Mr. Hack. What was his first name? He said he's going to come to church. I forget his name. We should have prayed for him tonight. But uh, we'll be speaking to him again. But um, when I came home this afternoon, I got to thinking and I wrote this, these things down today. So we're, we're going to, this is fresh off the, right out of the oven. All right. Hosea 11 verse 1. When Israel was a child... Then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. I called my son out of Egypt. So, one of the best ways to love your child and to prove your love for him is to do what? Based on that verse, get him out of Egypt. Get him out of Egypt. You know, this is a prophecy that Jesus came from Egypt. Remember, they took him down for two years, and he, he actually a little longer than that, I believe. He stayed for a while, and uh, his, his family hid him down there, but he had to come out of Egypt because it was a prophecy. When they brought him back and went to Nazareth, they came out of Egypt, and God called his son. Interesting, he called Israel his son, and he, he was a child. He called him out of Egypt. Uh, he does that with every child of God. Every Christian gets called out of Egypt. So if you want to love your child, you need to impress upon them that the world is not their friend. You know, Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt is the greatest type of the world in the whole Bible. And the world is not your ally. The world is not your friend. We use the world. We abuse the world. We're not of the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We're a special people. We're behind enemy lines. And so it's, that's why it's an it's urgent matter. You know, I think we're talking about this, something that I said a while back. You know, the world gets everybody's kids. The devil gets... 99 out of 100 kids. Why are we going to let them have ours? Why are we just going to bend over and let them have our precious ones? We're not. You know, so you really need to have your kids. I tried to do this. I really did. We tried really hard to instill in our sons that you're special. You're not like the rest of them. God didn't want you like the rest of them. You're not like the world. You're not like the other girls. You're not like the other boys. You're just not. You don't want to be like them. You're better than them. You're of God. God has better things. So we call them and we try to get them out of Egypt. Physically, the best you can. Get them out of Egypt physically the best that you can. So that they don't take things with them into adulthood that they'll never forget. And that they will not take bad memories with them into adulthood that will taint and uh, 
hinder their lives. You know, it's, it's, this is uh, very, very important. Get them out of Egypt as much as possible physically. Get them out of Egypt mentally. They ought to know the world is not my friend. I'm not of the world. I'm not one of them. Now, if you are one of them, you're one of them. But if you're not one of them, get out of there. We don't belong. God calls all of His people out of Egypt. Spiritually speaking, you set your affection on the things above. The things above. Now, if you can get your child to follow God at a very young age and kind of have an understanding of why, it's hard for children to understand why. They haven't fought the fight and the battles that you fought and they haven't gone into the slavery that you went through, maybe. But if you can get them to understand, they'll willingly leave when they become an adult. They'll get out. They'll stay out of it. They'll stay out of Egypt. So we're going to talk about, turn over to Proverbs chapter 31. We're talking about the children tonight. You know, I was thinking, everybody in here has either had kids, been a, been, been a child, have a child, want a child, will have children. And, uh, you know, so it's a very important part of life, uh, what we're dealing with here. And so I call this the son of my vows, the son of my vows. I think this is interesting. Let's look here at Proverbs 31, verse 1. It says, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. How interesting is that? Not dad, mama. What, my son, and what, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. The son of my vows. This is very important. You know, this woman, whoever she was, and I think I know who she is, she took it upon herself. The responsibility was on her to raise a son for God. Not the dad. I always wonder about these things. You know, where's dad at? Where's dad at? It's, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the law and the commandment of thy mother. You know, moms have more hands-on work than the men usually. So you don't forsake what you were taught as a child unless you want God, unless you want to play with fire. And if you want playing with fire, maybe so. But she took it, you know, you know, she took this responsibility on her. I was reading in a book recently, it's been a few months, on J. Frank Norris, one of the greatest men that America's ever had, preacher. He's the father of the fundamental independent Baptist movement if you want to say it, call it that. I don't like that term, but that's what they call it. He's the father of it. He left the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, he kind of went in and out of it. you got to understand, this goes way back. This is way back. I was, I was reading about his life, and he got called to preach because he had a mother that raised him right. had nothing to do with his dad. In fact, his dad wasn't even there. Reminds me of Jack Hiles. His mother raised him right. We'll look at it here if I have time. Hannah, same thing. Dad had no really hands-on work on Samuel. It's all her. 
Forsake not the law of thy mother, Proverbs 6, verse 20 says. So she taught him prophecy. How interesting. He says, you're the son of prophecy. And basically she says, I'm prophesying on you, son. She's given a prophecy of his life. You know, mom's going to direct the child's life. And it's not going to be to hang around in Egypt and make a buck or two and, and try to make many. No. So she taught him prophecies of what he would one day become. Now, I understand this is a very unusual man right here. And I'm holding out, but I'm going to tell you who he is in a minute. You know, I believe she taught him uh, prophecies of his own life. She gave a blueprint or a game plan for his life and how he's going to grow up and how he's going to conduct himself. And notice what she did. It says he's the son of my vows. Now, this is very interesting. She made vows. He's the son of her womb, it says. Came out of her womb. Just like God, when he called us out of Egypt, he, we, were, we, we, were, we come out of a womb somewhere, which I've taught. It's obviously the new Jerusalem. You know, but the interesting thing is that you watch it. Mama's boys. You know, the umbilical cord never really ever gets cut. They're always connected to mama. They are. And, you know, and they can't help it. It's God's way. It's just God's way. You know, she's going to raise her a son, the son of the vows. Now, that's really interesting here. It's hard to see. Did she make this vow after he was born? Or did she, like Hannah, make vows before he was born and said, Lord, you give me this. I'll make some vows that I'm going to keep. With my very life's blood, I vow to keep these. We're not sure. But she vowed some things about her son. Now, um, turn over to 1 Samuel 1. Let's just look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I find this, some of these things fascinating because some of the greatest statements in the Bible were made by women. Some of the greatest prophecies in the Bible were made by women. Uh, Hannah being one of these people. Now look here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth them Zophim of Mount Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. Uh, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. So it says children, plural. She had many, actually. This man went in and out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. She's had a lot of children here. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord has shut her womb. Boy, you know, this, this woman named Panina, she is picking at what they, it's only, honestly, they're adversaries. You know, it'd be kind of difficult. One man, two women. That's, 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 that's a, a, 
a time bomb waiting to blow anyway. But you got these two women, you know, look what they value their worth in. You know, so Panina automatically thinks she's worth a lot because she's got many, many children. Hannah has none. And they're adversaries, and so Panina's going to pick on Hannah because God shut Hannah's womb. It has nothing to do with Hannah did these things. You know, she's going to get it for her judgments. Her false judgments are really going to get it. So, you know, there's a lot of competition here. There's a lot of grudging. So Hannah has this great spirit, cooperative spirit, uh, but she's barren. Panina has many children. She has a big family. She's full of pride. She's competitive. She's a fighter. She's a bully. That's, you know, this, this is one of the only places in the Bible where that even reveals anything about bullies. She's a bully. She's picking on her, trying to increase her worth, uh, her esteem by putting another down. That's what a bully does, by the way. And so she made Hannah seem worthless and unhappy. And so in verse 6, it says they were adversaries. No, they're not friends. But Elkanah, oh, he loved Peninnah because she had so many sons and daughters. No, he loved Hannah because Hannah had a good heart. And so he says in verse 8, Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? He didn't understand. He, I don't know why he couldn't get it. But why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? Gave her a worthy portion, the best part of the meal. And uh, what does it say? And why is thy heart grieved? And this one really, am I not better than even ten sons? <laughs> oh, it's funny to me. Am I not better than kids? Am I? Yes. Uh, aren't I better than thee than, ten, than two sons? Than ten sons? Does that mean Panina had ten sons, possibly? I don't think so, but it possibly could be. He's, you know, the answer, uh, obviously, you know, men all want to say, well, of course I'm better and I'm worth more. But I think that's funny how he's, he, he couldn't understand she needed uh, this child. So they go to the house of God and she prays. She talks to God. She's not whining to Elkanah. She's not fighting with Panina. She just made a vow. What's her vow? I'm never eating at Panina bread. I've said this before. I'll ne it's Panera. I knew that. I'm never going there. That's what a vow. What a vow. I'll never do it. Now, no, an amazing vow was made. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I promise you, I'll lend him to you forever. What a loan. I'll give him back. And sure enough, when he was weaned, she gave him back to God and uh, only saw him once a year after that. But she made this uh, amazing, amazing vow. You know, I wanted to talk a minute. I don't think I really have time on why do people belittle others? And I, I use the term bully, but it's pride and it's foolish. It's wicked. Uh, it's what Satan does, and you're going to get on God's bad side. You know, why are we, who do we think? You know, who are we to make fun of another person? Because they're made a certain way. God made them, they didn't. 
You're picking on the Lord anyway. And if God did shut a womb or God chose to do something, why would anybody set themselves in judgment to do that? You know, and anybody that ever picks on anybody, I always want to say, now wait a minute here. Have you ever looked in the mirror lately? You want, you want somebody to pick on you a while? You want somebody to tell the truth about your life and what you are? There's not much to say. Now, this funny thing about Penina, she goes off into obscurity. Nobody even hardly knows who she is. But everybody remembers Hannah. When's the last time you heard somebody naming their child Penina? Penina Boxwell. No, it's Hank. I like that name, Hank. Yeah. Doesn't the Bible say we're all accepted by God in the Beloved? If God's going to accept us, why would we worry about what other people think? And we're His workmanship, it says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. We're His workmanship, not our own. You know, and God accepts us. God owns us. We belong to Him and we answer to Him. We don't answer to others. That's why the Bible says don't answer a fool according to his folly. You don't have to defend yourself. God will take care of you. So let me say this. One Samuel was worth ten penina cents was worth more. You know, all these children that came by hardship and faith and struggle turned out to be the greatest ones of all. I've always known that. It's really something. God loves the Hannahs and God remembers the Hannahs and God, the Bible says God remembered her, gave her a son. Opened her womb. She got Samuel which means heard, the Lord heard me, and she got one, and then she gave Samuel back to him. The Bible says she just kept having kids after that. The Lord opened it up. She vowed to give Samuel to the Lord. Now, go back to Proverbs 31. We're gonna, we'll finish here. She vowed a son for him, not for her, She's not going to get any benefit out of this other than she lent the Lord a great man. She said, I'm, I just want my son to what? Make a lot of money. Be the best looking guy in the school. Oh, I know. Be the top athlete in the school. No. What's he going to do? You're going to be profitable to the Lord, profitable to God. So we're here in Proverbs 31, and uh, notice it says, Mom made vows, plural, vows. She made certain vows to the Lord that she's going to keep, whatever these are, and she's going to give him, you know, obviously he was a miracle child, and she's going to give him to the Lord. Now, who do you think this might be? Knowing who wrote the book of Proverbs and what we know, who might this be? Who is this man named Lemuel? He's Solomon. He's Solomon. Now, I'm thinking of if Do you know who Solomon's mother is? Her name's Bathsheba. Notorious Bathsheba. You know, people judge Bathsheba on a bad thing, on a bad thing that happened in her life when she put out Solomon and made these amazing vows. So, you know, think about this. This is Bathsheba talking about her son Solomon. Now, the word Solomon means peaceable or of peace. 
This is man's going to bring the peace, which in his whole life, Israel had the greatest peace they ever uh, experienced as a nation. But Lemuel, I got to thinking about this. This is her nickname for her son. Do y'all have nicknames for your sons and daughters? I know a few of them. Her nickname is Lemuel. You know what it means? Belonging to God. She gave her son to the Lord. He's not my son. He's his, Lemuel. How interesting that God had a special name for him, Jedidiah. Jedidiah, beloved of the Lord. So David named him, the father named him Solomon. The mother named him Lemuel, which belonged to the Lord. And God said, he's my son. His name is Jedidiah, which is one of the greatest names in the Bible, but who can, who can live up to that? Beloved of the Lord. And it all came from because she's going to make a vow. And we say something about a vow. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus actually said, don't swear unless you, I mean, you can swear, but you're, you're binding yourself to these things. You know, anytime you make a true vow, I, we, made, we, we watched uh, some people make vows in a, in a wedding the other day, and there wasn't much vowing going on, in my opinion. What happened to the old days where they really put it to you and make you your death, till death do you part, man? Anyway, I'm vowing. It means something here, you know. It's, it's a celebration? No, it's a ceremony. It's a vow that we're making to one another. You know what it is? It's an obligation that's going to affect life and eternity. Because the vower, you know, the Bible says, don't open your mouth before the angel and say something that you're going to do before God unless you really mean you're going to do with all your power to do it. There's an angel that heard you. God holds you to it. So this woman who has a son, she's, and he's a king, by the way, Lemuel, she says, I have certain vows that I'm going to make concerning him. And... You know, so a vow is, Lord, I tell you what, Lord, I'm going to do this with my life. I'm going to do this for you in my life. I'm going to sacrifice something, whatever it might be, for thee. A vow is all toward the Lord, by the way. You know, we always say, I'll never do it again. <laughs> I'll never do that one again. Well, that's not really a vow. All right. So in Bathsheba's case, you know what she's saying here? I'm going to raise a king. I'm going to raise a king. So she goes into this, these details on. And by the way, say this as a side note. I think all parents ought to have this same uh, aspiration for their, their, I'm raising a king and a queen here. I'm not settling for anything less. I'm not raising a bum. I'm not raising a crook. I'm not raising a liar. I'm not raising a floozy. I'm raising a king or I'm raising a queen. That's a vow I'm making. All right. So let's see what she says here. You know, so this is interesting because certain things will prevent this goal of being a king, the proper king. There's certain things that can get in the way to ruin everything. So she tells him what they are. Now, this is great because this is this is advice coming from mama she's saying we got to get some things out of your life so that we won't cripple you as a king 
Number one, what does he say? What does she say in verse three? Give not thy strength unto women. Don't get caught up putting your efforts in the wrong thing. You know, the Bible even says it. I read it today trying to understand marriage. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says if you're married, you care for the things of the Lord. I'm, um, excuse me, of the world, how you may please your spouse. If you are not married, you can care about the things of the Lord, how you may please the Lord. It's what she's basically saying is don't get caught up serving another person. Now, in this particular case, it's women plural. And poor Solomon didn't get the message very good, did he? He had 700 wives and 300 porcupines. I don't know how he did that. And there was a farmer. He had the biggest farm I know because he had 700 wives and 300 combines. And he had it down, didn't he? No, concubines. Man, a thousand, I'm trying to keep you awake. A thousand women. He listened to Mama Good, didn't he? She said, don't gift your ways to that which destroy kings. Don't do it. You can, you can serve. You know, I've been thinking about this. The Bible plainly says, you serve the Lord. You're the Lord's bondservant. You don't serve men. Then he turns around and says, because you serve men, you better, or God, you better serve men. But it's because of you are a bondservant to the Lord. Uh, overemphasis. Think about this. Overemphasis in listening and serving people, not the Lord. And in this case, women, putting people before the Lord. She says, don't give your strength. That You know, you can give them things, but you can't give your strength to them or you're not going to be a king. You're not going to be a king. And then what does she say? That which destroyeth kings. You see that? That which destroyeth kings. Now, that's money. That's bribes. That's letting people buy you off. That's letting people present things to you to get you to compromise. You cannot do this. Too much emphasis on obtaining and spending of money. So what she's saying is it's an, it'll destroy a king, abuse and power. You know, Solomon didn't listen very good on this either because he went out and multiplied himself gold and he multiplied to himself many horses. He had more horses than anybody that's ever lived. You know, I've seen a lot of men lose their way over a woman. I've seen a lot of men lose their way over money. I've seen preachers lose their way over both. Got to be careful. It's not for thee. It's just not good to destroy kings. Hey, we're raising kings here. Get your kid out of Egypt. All right, let's, let's finish up here. Look what else it says. Look what it says in verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to what? Drink wine. You see that? Nor for princes strong drink. Now, this is not just saying he's a drunkard. Even though that... The Bible plainly says, woe be into the land if, you're young, if your princes are young men and they get up and drink early in the morning, you're sunk. You're not going to make good judgments. You have a sorry king that can't rule. He's not even going to be able to deal with his own life, much less other people's. Wine uh, represents indulgence, earthly pleasures, overemphasis on earthly pleasures. 
Overemphasis on aesthetics, tastes, uh, experiences, things such as that. Anything that involves the senses. Too much food. Too much music. Too much conversation. That's fleshy too. Too much, name it. The, too many odors. Too much into fragrances. Too much into feelings. Now, she's basically telling him, don't fall for this. I have made a vow to raise a king. And then anything that distorts judgment. All right? So number four is anything that will distort judgment. This is what you get your kids away from here, by the way. Philosophies of this world. Following science, it's a killer. Read the new, Even Paul said it many times. Don't follow science. It'll kill you. Getting into heavy debates with people that don't believe. Holding grudges. Getting into competition with others. It will not work. You will not make good judgment. So uh, I know we're really out of time, but I want to say this again. We're raising... You know, I, 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 I remember I say this in Sunday school all the time. We're not raising children. We're raising adults. They come quick. An adult shows up quick. You know, you see a little guy there. They're adults in the making. They need to be kings and queens in the making. Not just an adult. So how are you going to do that? Get them out of Egypt. When my child was young, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. Get them away from the paninas of the world who are competitive for worldly advancement. Those that major on success in this world, get them from diversions and hindrances that would prevent them from becoming a king. So, mama and dad... Keep them in the way. Do all you can to keep them in the way. What are we saying? Fulfill your vows. You know, if you made a do, if you made, I'm not saying necessarily a scriptural vow, an Old Testament type vow, but if you made a deal and said, I'm going to raise my kids for the Lord, then you better do it. Do it the best you can. And ask the Lord to help. He knows. And guess what? You'll raise a king. You know, Solomon did great till Mama died. He did. He, he did really good. You know, he wrote all of his great Proverbs and he wrote most of the Proverbs when he was a young man. He wrote uh, Ecclesiastes when he was an old man. Look at the difference. Look at the difference in the two. It's amazing when you think about it. He had a, you know, his mom was tremendous. She had the right idea. The son of my vows. All right, let's pray.